Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Hi, I'm Zef Raves, Managing Director of Tesoro Resources. Tesoro is a Chilean-focused gold company, uh, exploring and developing the Alzoro Gold Project in the Region 3 of Chile. And uh, we're um, rapidly expanding and, and progressing that project. Seth, good to see you again. So we're back in August. I thought I'd take the chance to speak to you because we saw some of the uh, Met Test Work uh, results come out. And I do want to talk to you about that. But first, I've got to address share price. You're getting a lot of stick at the moment. You're getting a bit of stick because Chilean elections just coming up. People are not sure what to expect. Uh, and secondly, um, they're a little bit disappointed with the resource that you put out previously when we spoke back back in August and they said, you know, that's all connected to your performance rights. So um, how do you answer and address those two issues? Uh, yeah, look, in terms of the Chilean political situation, we say it as business as usual. They're about to have an election and uh, the left side of politics, the Socialist Party have elected a fairly central left guy. So it looks as though it's going to be a fairly vanilla election. We don't see any major changes there politically for for Chile going forward um, and the congressional, um, the constitutional congression looking at the constitution are still busily working away. And I think they've got about another eight or 10 months before we see anything come out of that. So, um, look, we've got elections coming up, as I said, towards the end of this month, early next month, I believe, and we'll see where things go from there. But look, the message that we're getting out of Chile is it's business as usual, and um, that's how we're trading it. And look, yeah, in terms of our maiden resource estimate, um, we obviously had telegraphed that pretty well to the market. We had thought we've been in the market for quite a long time that it's going to be a stepping stone to something larger. Um, and in regards to the performance rights, look, there was a deadline on those. But um, again, you're looking at a company that was set up by the founders. Um, we put over $10 million of our own money into the company pre-listing and had that taken quite a bit of equity off the table. So, um, you know, the, the directors wanted to, um, and the founders are obviously aligned well with the shareholders to own plenty of the company and um, advance the project forward. And I, I guess that's where we're at today, where you've got a, a board um, and the founders own a fair chunk of the company and we're very motivated to uh, make El Zorro work and it's starting to tick all those boxes. So what, was that a case of that deadline came up sooner than you'd hoped given COVID, given Chilean elections? So we, were, were those things not on in the plan? Um, no, they're always, you know, obviously the company got listed right at the beginning of the pandemic. So it was pretty tough to get capital at the time and we had to, really bring the valuation down on the company. We, hence, we took all of our equity off the table at that point in time to, to do that. But, you know, to the team's credit in Chile, we haven't missed a bait. So, we, I, you know, I guess what we've seen is that the project's just going to be bigger than we ever first imagined when we first got involved and, and even from when we listed. I mean, we drilled 16 holes into the project prior to listing, um, and made a number of payments to the vendor and so on um, prior to listing. And, you know, when we first got our hands on it, it looked as though it might be a nice, neat little half a million ounce gold deposit in a pretty favourable location to, to mine. Um, and obviously, the more drilling we've done, just the bigger it's getting. So, 
um, they're incremental steps to a, a resource which we think is going to support a project that's um, of significant scale. So talk to me about the cash position at the moment, because you and along a lot of other precious metal companies have kind of get get through this period until the market picks up again, whenever that may be. Are you good for money for now? Yeah, well, at the moment, or at the end of last quarter, so we've got to quarterly obviously just come to an end, so we'll be reporting soon. But uh, end of last quarter, we had about 13 million Aussie in the bank still. Uh, we're burning between one and a half and 1.8 a month, um, but that's, you know, foot family flat to the floor with six drill rigs drilling um, and committed to our work programs to develop the project. So, you know, there's some flexibility in there to adjust those if needed, but at the moment, um, you know, we don't see um, us backing off at all. We've got a fairly good head of steam up in terms of moving the project along. Um, and it really is stacking up to be a very simple, straightforward project, particularly with those recent net results that we announced. Okay, so given that you've got six drills going, I mean, can you give, and I think you put a press release about the expanding Ternera, uh, Ternera, sorry, I should say. Um, what can you tell us about what you're seeing there? Because obviously the resource came out, it was sort of within the range that you had indicated, but I think, as I said, you know, market was a little bit disappointed by that, even though you'd signed price to that. But what do you think you're starting to see there now? These recent announcements that we've had, so one thing, the, the resource was calculated using 148 drill holes. I think they've collared up to the 242nd or something, so there's a lot of data to add into the next iteration of the resource. Um, the last two announcements regarding drill results since the maiden resource, I mean, they're just so consistent. We're just hitting gold in good widths every single time, you know, 100 metre, 200 metre widths at a modest grade, but they've all got multiple zones of high grade in there. So when I say high grade, generally better than two grams, but some exceptional results we've seen recently, you know, three, three, 30 metres at five gram type material. And that's reflective of these multiple high grade zones that we see through the deposit. Um, so there's been a focus to delineate those uh, a bit better. And the, the really um, positive thing, which is giving us lots of confidence with the deposit and really de-risking it, is those high-grade zones are really hanging together well in 3D. They're mineralised from surface. Um, we've defined four of them really well now. They're, they're a kilometre long each. They've been drilled down to 400 metres and they're just are persistent and they're predictable and we're hitting them when we go and drill them. And that's reflected in the drill results that we're putting out in the market. Um, so at the moment, those, those rigs are focused on infill drilling to increase the, not only increase the resource, but also to increase the, the um, classification of the resource, get more of it into indicated so we can then start to use that for economic studies and scoping studies and the like. Uh, and we're also doing some extensional drilling terms and beautiful material coming out, particularly in the south of the deposit. Uh, so we're continuing to drill down there. But um, the really exciting part is that we've attacked a few of the other targets outside of Tanera now, which we believe are part of the same system. So at Tanera East, at Drone Hill and uh, Toro Blanco, and we're seeing some good material come out of those holes. We haven't seen any of the assays come through yet, but all of those holes have hit the right ingredients, the right host rocks and the right alteration and structure. So I think, you know, once you start to look at Tanera sitting in the middle as this, I guess, baseload deposit and then there's potential for other 
deposits around it, which are part of the same system. You're starting to look at a pretty significant gold project that, you know, I haven't been involved in anything like this before where just about every hole we drill has got mineralisation in it. You know, it's, it's quite astounding, really. So, I mean, if, from an investor's perspective, there's the sorts of moments that we look for are obviously hitting a million ounces, right? That's a great one. Getting into production. All of these moments which you typically get kind of re-rates on. Um, can you give us any indication with regards to these extra 100 holes, which were not on the first resource, when will they start coming in? You know, are, you've talked about some step-outs, you talked about some infill. I mean, and how quickly would you look to update the resource, first of all? Start with that. Yeah, well, we're hoping to get an update out by the end of the year. Um, Hopefully sooner rather than later. It just depends on how quickly the assays can come back to us. We can get them all into the model. Uh, you know, and we think that resource will then form the basis for a scoping study and, and move it fairly rapidly through into feasibility next year. Um, but that won't stop us drilling. I, you know, I think there's significant growth in the deposit and significant growth in the actual project in the district. I mean, we've really only just scratched the surface in terms of how, how big this um, new district is potentially looking. I mean, I think I mentioned before last time we spoke, um, our geology, geology team on site are now sort of giving me messages that they think Tenera might not be the main game. It could be the edge. Look, we don't know that yet, but we're going to, we're starting to test those other targets now to, to um, really see, you know, where this goes. But... Um, so far, some of the core that we're seeing out of some of those other areas is looking really promising. So we're quite excited by that. So talk to me, I always talk to uh, our subscribers about the different models com companies and countries employ. The, the ASX companies seem to like to get into production sooner rather than later. The North Americans seem to want to drill the thing out until they you know, hit the edges of the, of the oil body. So... What what is the model? Just confirm it for me. I know you said you, you will continue to drill, but is the plan move this thing through the studies and get into production, start the cash flow process whilst trying to work out the size and the scale of this? Yeah, look, it's always been our intent to take this into production. I mean, the company was set up by guys who've got production backgrounds and um, part of the attraction of our Zorro is where it where it's located. You know, there's no better place in the world really to build a gold mine. There's power close by, roads, water, workforce, highly skilled workforce, and uh, all the ingredients are there within um, close proximity to, to have a good mining operation. So um, we always wanted to take it to production and we're at the point now where we're saying, so it's got that infrastructure. We're seeing this superb mech come out of it, um, which is, you know, a really big material difference that we see between El Zorro and a lot of other gold deposits. Um, and we can talk a bit more on that if you like. The And just the next step really is to, um, and we have the almost the beauty of back engineering the size of this deposit We've got a recent board appointment, Linton Putland. He's a mining engineer and he's come on as an executive and he's doing all that work. And he's basically saying, look, at the grades that you're saying, this is how big a project needs to be resource size to make the economic decision to go into which, production. So, which is so, what? What's he saying? Well, we're looking, we don't know that what the final numbers are yet, but, you know, 
it's going to be a 70 to 100,000 ounce per annum production rate, probably at the grades and the met recoveries that we're seeing in, you know, for where the project's located. So to support that, you're going to need somewhere between 1.2 and 1.5 million ounces to form the basis of a feasibility study to go through to production. What the ultimate size of the deposit is, we simply don't know. You know, as I said, the more we drill, the bigger it's getting. We haven't found the edges of anything yet. Um, certainly not the edges of the district and certainly not the edges of the deposit. And, you know, it's one of the unusual um, positive problems that we have with Tenera um, is that the, it's not a simple planar ore body with a defined geological edge and you step off that edge and there's nothing there. Where, you know, we're seeing repeats of the host rocks and where they are, they've got gold in them and we've now identified those host rocks in a large district and we're systematically going through our work identifying where the, you know, the best chances of having um, another deposit is or an extension to Tenera. So um, very unusual um, gold system in that regard. And it's one of the problems that Linton has to deal with because he says, so oh, well, we'd like to put a tailings dam over here and a waste dump here. And the GO say, well, no, there's probably some more gold that we need to go and find over there. We need to do, do, do some more work before you start building stuff on it. So, um, you know, it's an exciting Problem. But, but help, help me, just... Zef. Help me with this, though. Okay, because I, I, I need to. I need to grip that. I, I, I get what you're saying that you can just keep keep drilling this thing out, and it kind of keeps giving, etc. And I do want to come back to the met work because I want to understand the so what factor there, which is you talk about systematic drilling. But the systematic drilling, which geos love, and they do things the right way, and you give them enough time, enough money, they'll, they'll keep going. But you've got a commercial imperative, and your commercial imperative is one to your shareholders, drive that share price up and market cap and all of those things. So this feasibility study that you're talking about, you, you've given some indications, it's got to be 1.4, 1.5. How do you get those numbers done quickly so that you can feed it into the feasibility study. Given the money that you've got, the financial constraints you've got, well, I say constraints, you've got 13 million as of last quarter, but it, it, how do you make that happen quickly so that gives you breathing room to do all of the other expansion work? Well, we've already started a lot of that work, so that's been going on in the background for the last six months and, you know, collecting data on mining costs and contractors and, infrastructure studies, environmental studies and permitting and all of those things that are required to build a mine in Chile uh, are, have all been going on in the background. Um, and in the meantime, which is, the, I guess, the part that the, our investors and shareholders want to see is how big this is, and that's been shown by the drill bit, you know, keep punching out um, pretty excellent results and... Um, you know, we also do have a responsibility to prudently spend the capital so we don't just run off and drill, um, you know, complete guesswork holes. So, for example, we just started drilling Toro Blanco, but it's taken about 12 months of solid work to define that target properly and, and decide where we'd like to put the first few holes because it's always important, I think, as well um, from a... Um, to, you know, help with that share price and to, to build more confidence in what we're doing is that those first few holes into a new target do come back with positive results. And, uh, um, 
And, you know, I think Toro Blanco really is going to be important to us. If that comes back with positive results, that's a material step change in the scale of the project because um, that sort of opens up another three kilometres of strike to the north and, um, and we'll have a lot more drilling to do. And then instead of one and a half million, who knows how big we could be looking at. Right, but the but the, the the big number, the next number people are going to be looking for is the size of the resource. If you think that's before the end of the year or even early early Q one, what's the number that you think you've got to aim for there? I know you haven't got a lot of your assays back, but what are you going to come back to market? But given what you just saw, given what you saw, the reaction that you saw for the last re- <clears throat> last resource, you're going to need to delight people. How are you going to do that? Yeah, I think a couple of ways. One is probably to nudge it up over that million-ounce hurdle. Uh, Everyone likes to see that number. But uh, the other thing that we're seeing is um, potential increases in grade. So, um, you know, if we squeeze another 10%, 5-10% in the grade profile out of the project, um, as I spoke to before, those fault zones are really standing out as good, sweet, high-grade spots, um, and they're at surface. So when you throw a cheap open-pit mining um, operation at them, um, it makes a lot of financial sense. Okay, well, let's talk about the network um, that you've done recently. So, yeah, you made an announcement. What, what does that tell you? I'm, I'm trying to work out what the so what for me is as a shareholder. So the so what is, is I mean, the key takeaways from the network is that at a coarse grind size, so, and I'll, I'll make some comparisons in a minute, but at 200 micron grind size, uh, the a life of mine sample, so we took a, uh, 10 samples, got about 500 kilos of sample, 50 kilos of each one, took a bit of each one and blended it together to come up with a, a what we called a life of mine sample, something that was representative for the entire deposit at about the grade that we'd expect to mine at, which was 1.1, 1.12 um, grams per tonne, um, and had some test work done on it. That test work showed us that at a 200 micron grind size, um, it recovered 94% gold, but 40% of it was recovered to gravity. So don't need to do anything more to it. Grind it to 200 microns, put it through a gravity concentrator, and there's the gold. And then the other part of the recovery was um, through cyanide leach, only for eight hours, recovered it up to 94%. So it's like the ore only has to look at cyanide and it wants to get dump the gold out. And the important part of it, the really important part of it, is the tails grade that we got was 0.07 of a gram. So what that tells us is that anything that's got the faintest trace of gold in it is going to be recoverable through that a very conventional process. So when you go and look at a gold deposit in Western Australia, for example, a lot of those deposits are grinding down to 70 microns, 100 microns, you know, they're pulverising it to dust. Our problem isn't going to dust. It's And the reason that 200 microns was chosen was that's the coarsest, just about the coarsest that the Mets, metallurgists think that we can actually keep suspended in the cyanide tanks without it all settling out and causing issues. So it's literally like beach sand. That opens up all sorts of cheap economic ways to extract gold out of the deposit. And at this stage, you start to look at primary crushing, crush it once and put it in a 
sag mill. So you're not using a ball mill. So a sag mill, so it's got low consumable costs, low power, lower power costs. You can have larger throughputs at a much lower power cost and all of those sorts of things and um, makes it a much cheaper processing operation and getting these massive gold recoveries. So um, that's really, you know, opened up a, a good avenue of de-risking for the project and starting to see us, um, you know, have opportunities to really leverage off that metallurgy in terms of including a lot more lower grade material in in, um, in our mine plan. Really? Okay, so... You- it reduces the cost of the recovery. Recoveries are good or exceptional, uh, but the, the the cost of doing so is, is much easier. So the so what for me is you make more money. Well, and not only it. the cost, it's, it's, it's reduced the risk. So this is not, this is conventional standard metallurgy. We're not using pressure leaching. We don't need to oxidise the ore. It's not refractory. It's just this beautiful behaving metallurgical recovery that is through a conventional well-known process that is easily engineered and easily operated. So it really reduces the risk around, um, you know, recovering gold out of the deposit. And as I said, that then sort of circles back around into the engineering and the resource because you've got a low tails grade. You can pull the head grade down and increase the resource inventory and pretty well mine everything that's got gold in it. So it has advantages in how the stripping ratio looks and how the overall um, mine planning looks. So it's all highly advantageous. Okay, so let's have, like, I appreciate the update. I just wanted to come at you with some of these criticisms I've seen uh, you get in the marketplace. Um, and, you know, your answer is fair enough. Um, but more importantly for me is it's business as usual for you guys and what you're seeing through the network. Actually, you're quite pleased with, seems to be. Yeah, well, that's right. And look, the more we drill as well, the bigger it gets. And so, you know, I think we're seeing a, a good, conventional, straightforward, simple mining project emerge out of this. Um, we've had some recent board appointments. I mentioned Linton Putland. He's actually been working as a consultant on this for us for um, the last four or five months before he came on board. So he had a good look at it. And um, he's a mining engineer. And one of the, you know, his main reasons for coming on board is he sees a real project here that is simple and straightforward. There's no red flags in it technically. Um, so it's starting to, and it's starting to grow. So all that the geology team has to do now is get that resource to a size where we say, that's it, let's go and mine it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.